Hello and welcome to If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. My friends, I got to do an interview in person. This is so exciting. Things are, the we're moving through the phases in Washington and my guest today, she was having some technical difficulties, so we just decided to meet in person. It was so nice to be able to sit across from someone and have a discussion and hear their story and see their face as they talked. It was such a great thing. So I'm hoping this is a sign that things are going to get better. We can actually see people again. But what's interesting is because I haven't been able to interview anyone in person besides my own children is that I have really learned how to use technology <laughs> and that means it opens up my options too for who I can interview. So that's really exciting. All right. All that aside, let me tell you about Edie Ahrens who is on the podcast today. She is a friend of a friend, but I've actually heard about her from multiple people. Just what a great mentor and friend and kind person that she is. So I was really excited that she was willing to come on the podcast and tell about her experiences. I didn't really know anything about her other than people love her. So it was great to have her come on and share her experiences and tell me about her remarkable son, who just sounds amazing. And maybe we'll get him to come on sometime and talk about his experiences. So I think you're really going to enjoy. This is Edie Ahrens on today's episode. Edie, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be fun. I'm excited to be here. Um, It's fun to talk about homeschooling and our... uh... The journey that we had, it's I enjoy it. Well, cool. I'm excited. We talked yesterday on the phone, and there was so much stuff we covered. I wished I recorded that conversation, too, because we could have supplemented it with today's, but this is great. So let's start with you just telling us about you and about your life. Okay. Um, I was uh, I was going to school in San Diego. I grew up in, in the Seattle area, mostly, but I was going to school in San Diego when I met my husband. And we got married in 1992. Um, Wanted to have a family right away. And our son didn't come along until 1998. And in fact, we kind of, at that point, were thinking maybe we won't have any children. Um, When I I got pregnant, interestingly, I I got pregnant a week after we had no medical insurance. Oh, wow. So if you, if you're trying to get pregnant, drop your insurance and it will happen. (laughs) But um, so anyway, and then we were very hopeful that we would have more children and then nobody else came after he did. Yeah. Um, We, uh, we, uh, like I said, we, we didn't have insurance when we had him. And so of course I had the most expensive kind of pregnant, not pregnancy, but birth. Um, ended up with the C-section and in the hospital and all of that yeah. and significant medical bills. And so my husband was uh, driving a truck. We were working, he was working for the company, but he was gone all the time, yeah. which was really hard on me with the young child baby. Um, he, we moved so that he could be home more often to Mesa, Arizona and uh, he started, we found a company that let him take myself and our son on the road with him. And so we put everything we owned into storage and um, put our two wiener dogs and my son and myself on the truck with my husband. And I honestly was thinking, okay, after about two weeks, he's going to put us off and never want to, because he's a two-year-old, right? Yeah. And it turned out to be uh, a really great two-year adventure. Wow. We, went, we traveled all over the country, and the purpose was to pay off our medical bills. We had huge hospital bills, and then to, to save money to buy a home. Yeah. So um, so that's what we did. We, we ended up buying a home here in Washington, Southwest Washington, and... Um, right before school time for my, our son. And uh, so he started started at the elementary school in Kalama, uh, which is really a great school. It's a great elementary school. He had a really good experience there. But he, we had some friends that homeschooled. 
And so he was kind of, he was aware of it. And every year he would say, mom, can we just, I want to try homeschooling. And every year we would just say, honey, no, that's not a good idea. My husband was very much against it. And I didn't think it was good because he was an only child. I thought, oh, he would be isolated. He would get sick of looking at me. (laughs) That was my fear, (laughs) which I don't know why I thought that because we had just spent two years of just the three of us yeah in the in a semi truck which is i mean picture living in your bathroom with your family it's about that size wow and uh, i can't i can't so i think that. so i think maybe i was feeling like honestly i kind of went through that feeling like that that was not the ideal way to raise a child oh. um, so kind of like that stigma that well i just thought good. he's isolated he sees no one except his father and i yeah But I was just talking to my daughter-in-law the other day. Um, My son, for a lot of reasons, moves through the world really confidently. Not cocky, but he's really, he's confident. He's not afraid. Mm -hmm. And I think the the beginnings of that come from being constantly with his father and myself for two years. I think that during that developmental time, it's a unique experience. And I honestly haven't ever met another kid with the same kind of demeanor or confidence. I think there was something about having that kind of security with both parents for that amount of time at that time in his life. I think so too. I have studied attachment theory Mm -hmm. a little bit and when a kid has a really a child has a really secure attachment to both parents, that's mm-hmm. what results is confidence. Well, like they're just at home in their own skin. And- I think I'm realizing that now at the time I thought it was not very healthy because nobody did that to their kids. Right. <laughs> but in hindsight, I think, I think it was probably one of our greatest blessings Yeah, um, because he just has always been, willing to try things not afraid to try things but but cautious he's never been reckless and like i say he just moves through things really confidently that's really cool i think of like the opposite that we used to live in the south Mm -hmm. and everybody we knew put kids into they called it school at like two you know that they needed to go to school and that i mean it was it was daycare Right. You know, but that was culturally what was normal. So you're saying like, nobody does this. Right. You know, and I don't know how common it is here. We have only lived here about six years. So Mm -hmm. I haven't had like a lot of little kids here versus when we've lived other places. But well, it's fascinating to me to watch my husband and I now have an adopted daughter. And she, we just, we got a letter out of the blue a few years ago from the state that she's actually a distant relative of mine. And she ended up in foster care. Yeah. And we received a letter that she was in foster care and needed a family and a home. So my husband and I, you know, immediately said, well, okay, yes, we'll have her part of our family. And we, you know, can't leave her there. That would be horrible. And kind of watching her developmentally, of course, she had, you know, quite a lot of trauma as well that we're working on healing. Um, but developmentally, she's really insecure, which is right. It's fascinating to watch because it's such a contrast to the experience our son had at a young age. Yeah. So pretty interesting. That is. That's super interesting. Yeah. So go back to he's in elementary school. He's happy, right? He's, he's doing great. He's great. There's no he's, issues. He's, he's not being bullied, like none of these things, right? No, he's not being bullied. He has lots of friends. He's doing just fantastic academically, um, you know, gets to be student of the month and all this stuff. And, but he still is like, mom, can we just try homeschool every year? He would ask and we would tell him, no, it's not a good idea, you know, basically because there was no reason to. Yeah. Um, And we honestly felt like after two years of being just with us, he needed to be <laughs> it's time to go to school <laughs> with some other people in his life. Um, and so we told him no every year until 
Um, elementary school ends at fifth grade in Kalama. And at the end of fifth grade, he said again, can I try homeschooling? And this time I talked to my husband about it because it's well known uh, sixth grade in Kalama is a transition year. It's not particularly um, academically strenuous. Um, so the kids are like getting used to having a locker and going classroom to classroom right. and whatever. And so I told him it was the year that uh, the K-12 public school, online school stuff came out and it was free. Yeah. And so I told my husband, I said, you know, they have this thing here, K-12. Um, it's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it's, you know, schooling from home. And why don't we send away? We'll get that. And we'll start doing that with Robert in September. I'll do it with him. And I tell you, I'm I'm really 100% sure by Christmas time, he's going to miss his friends. He's going to miss his teachers. He's going to be sick of me. And he will put that away and want to go back to school. And he really won't have missed much of anything. Yeah. You know, because it's just the first part of sixth grade and it's not, you know, he's not, he won't have any problems if he misses that. And then he'll know, I hate homeschooling. And, Everybody can move and on, he tried it and right? we can move on. Yes, exactly. Um, but what we found was uh, immediately, probably after about a month, we found that we really hated the K-12 program. <laughs> we talked about this yesterday. I'm like, yes. in general, that's the feedback I hear about did K-12. Did not like that at all. But we did love homeschooling. Because aside from the K-12 stuff, we had found that there were other things that we could do and pursue. And we really enjoyed that. So um, we just said, okay, we, we are getting rid of the K-12. Threw that out. And then I... You know, we had conversations and prayers with my husband because he was really resistant to the idea. Yeah. And um, so I convinced him that if, if if I wreck our son, it'll be my fault. And he can just hold that over my head the rest of my life. <laughs> you can say, I told it'll you so. It'll be my fault. <laughs> and so he reluctantly agreed. And um, probably... Uh, before the end of the school year, he was 100% on board. What made that change? Like, why did he turn around? He saw he saw Robert thriving um, and engaged. And the diff- the, all the different opportunities that he had that he would never have if he were in public school. Um, really pretty quickly, we... We learned that um, basically the whole world can be a classroom and every person in it is a potential teacher. And we found out really early on that when people have, like adults have a passion for and a love for what they do, they love to teach kids that are interested. Yeah, that's true. And so um, he, we just found a lot of opportunities um, I forgot to say after we got after we ditched the K twelve, you know I said you know Robert we can do better than this I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> and so we didn't we I went to it was the fall still so it was some kind of a homeschool curriculum thing. Oh uh, yeah, like a fair. Yeah. Like a. Wow, what a what, nightmare what is that it like was! In, a, in a, one of those halls, yeah, like exhibition a convention halls. room or yes, something. Yes, yes. What a nightmare that was! Was it just like overwhelming? I've never yes. been to one. So. It was like trying to sip from a fire hose. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it was just like, oh my gosh! And at that point, I kind of thought, I, I was feeling overwhelmed. I thought, really, all of this? <laughs> I just, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. And so um, we went home, and I didn't buy anything. You know, I just looked and was kind of overwhelmed by all of it. Yeah. And uh, we went home, and Robert and I, my son and I, we just we just started praying every day because we were confident that everything he needed to be educated would be provided for him 
the issue would be us recognizing what that was. Yeah. And I was feeling that after being at that homeschool thing, I thought, how could you possibly know what is going to work for your family and your, you know, child? So, um, so I was like feeling, okay, I need to be able to recognize. Um, we both need to be able to recognize what is going to be uh, right for him. Yeah. And his education and just be confident that absolutely everything he needs is going to be provided as long as we recognize it. And as long as we're willing to pursue whatever it is we recognize. So, um, so that's what we did. We never did get a, we had a, in our stake, we had some ladies that were homeschooling. So we put together a homeschool group, um, which was fantastic. Um, and he had, you know, opportunities. He learned, he learned music theory and piano and um, Latin and algebra and I mean all kind, you know, history and and he had all this great interaction with other kids doing the same things, but also with, also with competent adults. Yeah. And I think that one of the key things to have for having young people become competent adults is that you surround them with competent adults. They see and understand what it is they're becoming. They have that in their mind's eye and, and they don't expect any less of themselves. And I found that if you surround your kids with competent adults, instead of other kids, their same age, <laughs> they do better. Yeah. I'm just thinking about, cause Stephen Covey talks about begin with the end in mind yeah you know and having your kids be around competent adults right and you were talking earlier about passionate adults who mm -hmm. love what they do yeah and are eager to teach it yes that's the end right like your, yeah. your kids are seeing here's where you can be like this is the goal is to be filled with passion and excitement i and have had people ask me when he was in high school well how's he going to go to college I said, well, he will take the test. Yeah, the same way everybody else pays, goes to college. <laughs> pay, you know, tuition and go to college. <laughs> and they're like, but how does he have, you know, how do you know what his grades are? And I, because my standard for my son was to be, to be competent at something meant that he could do it well. But to have mastered something, he needed to teach it to someone else. I like that. And so that was the standard. If you want to be master, if you want an A from me, basically, on your transcript, you need to take what you know and teach it to someone else so that they can be confident at it. And so that was my grading system. And you just, it's super easy. You just translate it into letters. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and you make a transcript, but um, he, I guess he was about seventeen or so, and I started. I talked to him. I said, you know, he he had started. We'd part of our curriculum was was uh, starting a bakery. Robert was seven years old. He comes home from school and he tells me that Abby and Joey have allowance, and he'd like to have allowance. <laughs> He's like, where's my money? I said, so, honey, we don't have allowance here. Anybody that in this house that gets money, it's because they do something valuable to someone else to get paid money. And he said, well, they just, they, they like make their beds and pick up their stuff and they get allowance. And I said, honey, the world is never going to pay you to take care of your own things. <laughs> so you don't get money for that. That's just taking care of your things like you should. And I said, if you want to earn money, you have to do something valuable to somebody else that they will pay you to do it. And so um, my sister told me about, she was working at the newspaper for a little while. And she told me that they have this once a week um, neighbor's newspaper. It's basically like one cover story, 
but the middle is stuffed with all the store ads. Yeah. And it goes out every week so that's free. It's free. Yeah. So he wouldn't have to, he wouldn't have to um, collect any money. He would just have to get the paper and you get, it goes out on Wednesday, but you have, you get them on Monday. So you have, you pick them up Monday, you roll them all up and he has until, actually he has until Thursday afternoon to get them all delivered out. And so it was a perfect seven-year-old job. He could roll newspapers. I could pick him up after school and take him through, and he could de- deliver his papers. And so, um, and earn money. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that, and starting when he was seven, and I remember, I'm just thinking, there was one day I, he had rolled all the papers. I picked him up on Tuesday, and it was just a torrential downpour. And he got in the car and he goes, he goes, uh, I don't really feel good today. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I don't know if I can deliver the papers. And I said, okay, we can go home and you can do them tomorrow. He goes, okay. So we went home. And then the next day I went and picked him up from school. And if it, I didn't think it could be possible, but the rain was even worse than the day before. And he says, I feel sick, mom. I said, okay, do you not, do you not, are you not going to deliver your papers? And he goes, I don't think so. And I said, okay, um, I'll just, I'll take you home and you call Christina and let her know, um, how come you're not going to do deliver the papers? You told her that you would deliver the papers, that they'd be out by Thursday every week. But if you're not going to, you need to tell her you're not going to and why. Yeah. And he's looking at me. And he goes, can you? And I said, no, I didn't tell her that I would deliver the papers. You told her that you would deliver the papers, so you need to talk to her. And he kind of slumped, and he goes, I'll just deliver the papers. <laughs> He's like, better than talking to talk <laughs> so, so it was really cool because she was his boss, not me. Yeah. I couldn't care less if they were delivered or not. But he did not want to have to tell her why they weren't delivered that week. And that was the last time that ever happened. <laughs> so he he learned some really valuable things at a very young age. And I had some friends kind of like chastise me a little bit. Like, he's going to work the rest of his life. Why are you making him work? I said, I'm not making him work. The boy wants money. You know, yeah. this is how you earn money. So this isn't slave labor either. This isn't no working in a factory. (laughs) And it's after school and it's once a week. So anyway, but I had a lot of friends that just really frowned on it. They thought childhood should be for kid, you know, fun things and things. Well, he wants money, so he's doing this, and I'm not twisting his arm. I don't. Yeah, you can always stop. I don't. You know. It would be nice if I didn't have to drive him around to <laughs> deliver papers. But um, so he did that until he was 12. And at that point, he was feeling like he'd gotten all he could from the experience. Yeah. That's a long time. He stuck with it for he five did. years. By the time he ended, he had five routes. Wow. In Longview. And he had, he had purchased a bicycle with... Um, stuff to carry papers so I would just drive him to Longview and then he would ride his bike around and like all the papers were in the car so he'd ride around and deliver a bunch and ride back and get more and then ride out more and yeah so that's what we did every week so that he could earn money and um, he actually gave his route to a kid that was 16 wow that needed wanted to earn money and so by the age of 12, we had been homeschooling for a couple of years. So we started at 10 and he, um, he hated the paper route. He was done with that, but he really liked the money and he had a pretty decent bank account. And so, because he had learned really young, cause I let him spend money on whatever. He learned really young to quit spending money on stupid things that would break. <laughs> This is my precious and money. So, I know, and he worked for it. So yeah. he quit doing that pretty quickly. And and he was he's a really good saver. And so he had a decent bank account. And I said, you know, we're homeschooling. It would be super easy to 
Um, if you want to start a business, we can incorporate that as a as a real a significant part of your education. Yeah. Because there's a lot to be learned there. And so he goes, well, what would I do? Whatever you want to do, you think of something and if you've got money to start, so you always need money to get going on something. So think of something. And um, he goes, I had been, like I said yesterday, a hundred years ago, I had done a baking apprenticeship and it was a two-year apprenticeship. And just about the minute that I finished it and became a journeyman baker, um, they started closing all of the scratch bakeries in the grocery stores. And so the only places to work then at that point were like, you know, big place, like production places like Hostess Cakes and Wonder Bread, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which isn't nearly as fun as being a scratch baker because you just... It's production work yeah, at that point. You're a factory worker. Yeah, it's not it's not creative at all. There's no, you, you don't get to take something from start to finish and be really proud of what you've created, yeah. you know, because you're just a, a cog. So, um, but I got away from that a long time ago, but I always enjoyed baking for my family and friends. And so... Um, as my son was growing up, he would see that I would I would bake sourdough bread for my friends and take it, and they would always say, you should sell this. And I'd say, no thanks, I'm just happy baking for my friends. But he, he heard that, and he goes, Mom, why don't you teach me how to make sourdough bread, and I will sell it. And so, okay, you want to start a bakery? That's, that's probably a pretty doable thing. And uh, we got... He got on Craigslist and he bought um, all used equipment, an oven and a mixer and a, a bench and, you know, all the stuff that he needed, um, including a, a building. He bought a used 10 by 20 tough shed and uh, he and his grandfather poured a slab did all the plumbing, the electrical, insulation, all the stuff, got all the permits and inspections and built a bakery next to our garage behind our house and um, got it all permitted and got inspected by the state to start a bakery and talked to the owner of the grocery store in, in, in Kalama. There's one um, independent grocery store right in town and he talked to the owner and, and said, you know, if I get going on the, he brought him some samples and said, if I set up a bakery, can, can you carry my bread here at the store? And he says, he, the owner told him, if you get permitted and, and licensed and everything, I'd be happy to. That's so cool. I have a question. Yeah. Did he start out at any point just selling to individuals? Like, did he try to no. build, he just went, bam, I have, I'm owning a bakery. We're making this happen. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. You can keep going. But I was just so, saying it because I think like my son sells eggs uh -huh. from our chickens uh -huh. and he spent some of his money to buy more chicks this year because uh -huh. he wants to build his business and uh -huh. we're planning a coop expansion and all these things. And that's something you have to build up anyway, like, right. over time. But I'm like, would I have the, done You got to get the chickens to cooperate. Yeah. You got the chickens. <laughs> uh, they're kind of an important component to this, you know? But I'm just thinking, would if it had been a bakery instead, would have I would I have said, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, build a bakery, get permits, get licensed. I would have been like, well, let's start out with selling to our neighbors and let's start out because that's how I think. But but you guys just dove in, and he had yeah. the money to do it too, right? Like yeah, he, he paid yeah. for all those things. He had he borrowed some money from us um, because it was it was pretty significant amount. It took him about oh about. Ten thousand dollars to get started. Wow! And he had about six thousand so, from his paper route. Yeah, six. Holy moly! Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, he like I said, he had a pretty healthy bank account. Yeah, he quit spending money on junk <laughs> when he was little. So he just so, stockpiled it. He did. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So. Because he found out that if he stockpiled, he could buy, like he bought a really nice bike. Because he, and I mean, he loved that bike and he had yeah. worked for it and he took really good care of it. But he saw that if he saved money, 
he could get some really cool things. Yeah. I think it's probably because you guys said no allowance that he did all this. Yeah. Right? Because if you had yeah. said, sure, we'll give you five bucks a it week was, or something like that. It was only like three weeks ago my son, like, he gave me a huge hug and he said, Mom, I am so glad that you taught me how to appreciate work. He goes, it's so rewarding. And I thought, yay, I'm so yay. happy. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a, a great mom moment it right is. there. It is. It really is. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's what I think of. If you had just said, sure, we can give you guys an allowance. Who knows if he would have pursued any of these things. And he would have spent it every week on junk that broke and he didn't care about because he had nothing invest. Would have nothing yeah. invested. Make my bed. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I have to do that anyway. <laughs> so interesting. Okay. So, so now he's got a place to sell his bread. The local grocery yes. store. Yes. And all he's making is a two pound loaf and a one pound round of just San Francisco style sourdough bread. That's yeah. it. And um, he gets up in the morning and he um, does his thing in the bakery. He was delivering the bread to the store twice a week. Um, but basically he'd be in the bakery maybe four or five hours at a time in the morning and then would have the rest of the day for his studies and pursuing other things. And it was perfect because he would make, just make the bread, take it down to the store and they'd sell it and collect the money and give him a check, you know, every yeah. month. So, um, it worked really well with our homeschooling schedule too. And then in the summertime he got called uh, somebody called and asked him to be in the a farmer's market in Woodland. And he discovered that he loved that because, yeah. because he could give samples and he, people would tell him how much they liked his bread. He got so, instant feedback. Yes. On the product. Yes. That's so he cool. loved doing that. And in the summer times it was fine. He could do that full time if he wanted. Um, so uh, my husband was fine with that. And so he picked up two, 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 farmer's markets to begin with and then he ended up with three and um when he would go to farmer's markets people would ask him well when the market's closed how do I get your bread and so then he like one of the markets was up in Chehalis and so he talked to some people up there and said okay well I'll bring my product to you know Jeremy's and then you can buy it there in the winter too and so um, we started, you know, he just started expanding to other stores and other places. And at this point, he, he delivers bread from Vancouver to Tacoma. And wow. he's got six employees and he's on the verge of expanding. He's going to hire another couple people, add some more shifts and add some more, you know, add to the areas that he's delivering to. So... He's done, he just loves it. He's done really well with it. That's so cool. Yeah. And it's called? Kalama Sourdough Bakery. Kalama Sourdough Bakery. The yeah. listeners should take note. If you live in Southwest Washington, <laughs> try to. Uh, he has a Facebook page that lists all the places that carry his products. Yeah. Um, at one point, we we have some friends that you know. You know the Andersons. Yeah. And um, he was facing... Something with his work was his job was going to be ending. He knew about it and had some time, and he was looking at, at opportunities to have his own business and different things. And Robert was taking piano lessons from from Kara. Oh, is that how the connection? Yes. Okay. He right, started voice and piano lessons with her when he was ten years old, and so um, we were you know in their home every week, and we got to be really good friends. And when this came up. It, it it was like months after Robert had gotten set up with his bakery and she's talking about it. And I, I said, I said, he should just bake bread. And she's like, yeah, my husband's never made anything in his whole life. I don't know that. Yeah. Bread. I don't think so. And I said, well, if a 12 year old can do it, <laughs> don't you think your husband can handle it? So she was like, Oh, well, that's true. I said, if you guys want to come up, we'll show you how to make sourdough. And so they, early mornings, came up to Kalama from Vancouver 
um, for quite a while and and we taught them how to make bread and helps them get set up it's so interesting because I've heard the other I, when Kara first told me when I first met her and she told me the whole story uh-huh. about learning to make sourdough. Now I realize you're the one yeah. that taught them to make the sourdough. That's yeah. amazing. And their company is Columbia River yes. Sourdough, right? Yes. Yeah, and I have tried their bread. It's yeah. Very good. It's the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> we bread. We taught them how. <laughs> so anyway, they, do, they you know, we kind of, they have their area that Robert stays out of. The only reason that he does Vancouver at all is because he's got products that they don't do. Yeah. So he has, so, he's, has a market corner yeah. on that market. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, his adolescence was so full of work, right? Like he was working all the time. Did he do other teenagery kind of things? Did he have oh, yeah. friends and hang oh. out? And he did. I mean, he didn't spend any more time with his education. Probably spent less than a kid that has to go to a public school you know, Monday through Friday, all day long. Yeah. Um, he had um, lots of opportunities. We, right after the bakery opened, we did, we took a field trip to China for 10 days because um, there was a group out of Utah that was doing, they were doing service. Um, service trips. Trips, service slash education trips mm -hmm. with homeschooling families. And it, they were a family that had incorporated travel as a big part of their homeschooling experience, like world travel. Yeah. And they had figured out lots of different ways to do it, you know, with, without breaking the bank and, you know, um, different ways. And we joined up with them and went to China. That's for so 10 cool. Days. Did you, did you find the name for that group of people? Um, I don't. I don't think they're doing that. They do a lot of travel things. The name's Dale and Michelle Bartlett. Okay. So if you Google their names, their things will come up. They've written a book, several books. Yeah. And I know he does like a travel thing on, um, I don't know, something on Facebook every Saturday. Yeah. He posts like a video dis discussion about travel things and things going on in the travel industry okay i'll pester you more about that later we'll, okay we'll keep the focus you went to china <laughs> yes you went to so he had earned enough to go to, or was this yes. something a family from trip? the from, no it was just he and i um and some friends of ours that were homeschooling as well um we got joined with this group and went and it was um it was really only because he had the bakery that we were able to because it was it was you know our family is a one in income family and we don't have a lot of money for world travel. Yeah. But because he had the bakery and had done really well with it, he had earned enough money that we could do that. So, um, which is way better than the zoo for a field trip. <laughs> I love so, how you call it a field trip. I'm like, this is an epic vacation. This sounds amazing. So I mean, the zoo is great. I do love the zoo. <laughs> You're like, I'm but, not knocking the zoo. No, the zoo's but, great. But he went every year in elementary yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. China, know? it's a step up from the yeah. zoo. It's okay. We can acknowledge that. So, and, you know, we got to do things like go to Canada and California and do, you know, a lot of opportunities to do things that we wouldn't have been able to do if he hadn't been homeschooling and if he hadn't made a business part of his homeschooling. Yeah. Who took him? Who took over for him when you guys would travel? Like, were you still able to? He would close. Oh, yeah. And just he would just tell bread. his customers, if you want to order bread and put it in the freezer to put out on shelves while I'm gone, you can you can do that. Or you can. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> or, That's awesome. I'll be back. You know, I'll be back and I can deliver bread on this day. You That's know? very cool. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, I probably had to find somebody and teach them how to do it. No, he just That's said, way better that he just like, you all are going to be fine. I'll be back. <laughs> it was homeschool. Or, I mean, it was wholesale. Yeah. And so, you know, there were, he did have a couple people that would order extra and put it in the freezer, you know, and then just pull it out and thaw it and label it themselves to put on the shelf. But he really wasn't, at that point when we were going to China, he wasn't, it wasn't like... Wasn't huge. He wasn't thousands, selling thousands of loaves of bread every yeah, week. That's true. So, um, so yeah, he would just say, I'm going to be gone. So they'd say, okay. 
We'll see you when you get back. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. So now let's go to the point where he's trying to decide whether or not to go to college. Like okay. where, where life is going to take him next. Tell us about that. Well, through, throughout, like I had said, there were a lot of adults that, that loved to teach about the things that they loved. And at one point, Robert thought that he might want to be a dentist. He just thought that that might be really cool. He really liked his dentist. Yeah. And, and he know, and he, at that time, um, he, he loved playing golf. And my father-in-law told him, well, if you want to be, play golf all the time, be a dentist. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. That's, it sounds kind of like, like a stereo, a little bit of know. a stereotype, but, but Robert's like, well, I do like golf. I love my dentist. So we were in getting our teeth cleaned and, um, he finished up before me and he came to the area where I was at and he goes, mom, Dr. Steidley said I can come on Fridays and he'll show me, he'll teach me about being a dentist. And I said, oh, okay, that's super nice. And I said, so then for probably like six or seven months, every Friday from eight to five, I took him over to the dentist office. He'd get his khakis and his button shirt and he'd go to the dentist office and watch procedures. Um, he learned how to make impress, take impressions. He watched all the procedures. He learned about um, different avenues for being educated in dentistry, you know, like through the military or through college, mm -hmm. the costs, the cost of, of opening your own um, business, the cost of employees, the cost of insurance. I mean, absolutely everything there is to know about becoming a dentist. Wow. <laughs> and uh, which was great. He, you know, he made good friends with the people in, in the office and his dentist. Um, and at the end of it, he said, it was such a cool thing, mom. I loved doing it. And I learned a lot and I learned enough. I don't want to be a dentist. <laughs> and I said, well, that's a good thing to know. It's now. better to figure that out now. Than so being in dental school, figuring that out. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so he, you know, we have a friend that is kind of like, a, he's, kind of like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to so many things. He knows about American history and world history and plant life and edible plants and currents and weather. And I mean, he's just really, really knowledgeable about a lot of things. And Robert made friends with him. And he's, how old is Ray? He's probably, he's probably pretty... I think he's in his 80s now. Yeah. Um, but this was, you know, this was probably about 10 years ago. He's about 70, I guess. And um, he owned a sailboat. And he, and you know, Robert would go over and talk to him and learn about ham radio and stuff and um, expressed interest in sailing and how you do, how that works. And... Ray invited him to, his boat was down at Ilwaco and he invited him to sail from Ilwaco up to Kalama, but he'd show him how. And so he, they made it like a week long trip. Oh, wow. And Robert learned about navigating by the stars, about currents, the history of the towns they were stopping at, edible plants. Oh, I mean, it was oh just gosh. like a whole week long of just intense learning and absorbing knowledge from from his friend um, who was really happy to be with Robert, a young man who wanted to know what he was, you know, what he knew and, and could do all of the hard work of the sailing part. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, just really invaluable experiences from people just because just because we prayed to recognize opportunities and to embrace them and I, I, it still really blows me away how blessed we were with Robert and how how he really absolutely received everything he needed um as far as being educated and he continues to 
learn and I mean he's inquisitive and curious and has a lot of different interests and um, it's just just it's so rewarding for me as a mother to see him so engaged in his own life and with his family and, and everything he's doing it's just really yeah. gratifying I bet yeah he sounds like a really special person too you know it's he's a product I'm of- his mom I think so but I'm his mom <laughs> of course you're biased <laughs> But I just think of like who he is, who he came here as, you know, like yeah. his his self, and then combined with how he was parented. We right? used to we used to tell people they'd be like, they'd be like, they would tell their kids, "Why don't you look at what Robert does? Why don't you?" And, oh man, pressure, you know. And so, and they would be like, like, so what do you do? And I said, and we would just tell people, you know, he kind of he came to the, us like this. And we're just really working hard not to wreck him. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, I honestly, I think that's true with every child. Yeah. Right. Like we are just doing our best to be the parents that they need. Right. You know, but children, they come amazing, right? Like they're already these unique, beautiful people. Yeah. And we're just like trying to navigate this. Right. You know, even the kids that, like, as I have some really strong-willed kids uh-huh. who is just, like, you know, butting heads. And I'm like, there's purpose in that. Right. You know, there's a reason why they're so strong-willed. They're going to need that because whatever they're, they need to accomplish, you know, they're going to need that strong will. And they're going to need the skills of trying to negotiate with their mother to accomplish it, you know. Right. I Well, I told you that Robert and I would pray every day to recognize the opportunities for him. Yeah. In my own personal prayers, I prayed every day that my ideas and my thoughts of what education is wouldn't limit him. I love that. Because I I just came through the system like everyone else. So everybody gets an idea of what education is and what it looks like. And I just prayed that my ideas and my thoughts on what, what it should that like. was that I wouldn't impose them on him and really limit his, because if I could, if I could do that, then the, the sky's the limit for him, unless I limit him, unless I stop him because of, you know, whatever I'd been taught or thought was right. So that was my challenge. I think that is for every homeschool parent, right? Yeah. Because most of us, I would, I think it's a safe guess that most homeschoolers today, in the 90 percentage is high, we're, we all came through the public school system. Right. You know, that's all we, there was. That's all there was. You know, we have a few handful of those pioneers who were homeschooling. <laughs> that were breaking the law. We're breaking, you know, <laughs> and just like striving out into this kind of unseen territory, you know, right. but we all have these preset ideas of what it should look like and what it, you know. And if we are carrying that into our homeschool and trying to apply it, like homeschool isn't supposed to look like public school. You know, right. the, way, the way it's set up is because you have all these kids and you have to have all these systems in place. And, yeah, you know, the structure of it is necessary. Yeah. Because you have so many kids. Yeah. But you have so many kids that you're trying to make look the same. You're trying and to get the same so hard end product. On and, yeah. Yeah. But if we can like kind of not get in the way like you said, not get in the way of what they really well, need. Well, it's it's an interesting thing to watch now with our adopted daughter. She's she's turning seven next week. Yeah. Um, she came to us much differently than our son did. And early in her life, there was, you know, a lot of trauma and things like that. And so coming to us, and we're homeschoolers, um, it's a completely different, She her needs are completely different from the needs of my son yeah um and i had always like once we started homeschooling with my son i just thought man i wish we would have done this when you asked this would have been so cool (laughs) um but now we've got our daughter um and we you know get to start a lot younger with her um the state wouldn't allow us to homeschool in kindergarten because the adoption we couldn't homeschool until the adoption was final yeah so she went to public school for kindergarten, but then she's been home. And 
for her, her needs are so different. And so I'm so grateful to have had the experience we had with our son because, and I can see how this could happen after I went to that curriculum fair thing. Um, having gone through this with my, my son, it gives me a lot of reassurance and confidence that even though hers looks a lot different, she'll be provided what she needs too. And I can do the exact same thing with and have it look completely different and be okay and be good with it. Yeah. You know, I don't have to, I'm, it's not going to stress me out that she's so different from him because she's supposed to be so different from him. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I think that I think of myself in my early stages of homeschooling and thinking I'm going to buy this one program and it's going to work for all these kids because the program is so great. Well, every, every curriculum, everything I've ever bought is the program, great. The program would have worked really great for you. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> exactly. I'm always seduced by who this looks like fun to me. And then my kids are like, you're trying to torture me to death. Thank you very much. But yeah, the idea that somehow this, this curriculum is so great. It's going to just apply to everybody instead of saying, what does this kid need? And, you know, it took a few years to kind of work that out of my system and, and to realize that, that you have to, you have to cater I, I had, to the child. Like, I had a lot of parents that were considering homeschooling come to me and say, okay, I see what you're doing with Robert. Tell me how to do that. And I said, okay, you just need to like clear your mind of trying to do what anybody else is doing and just pray for what your child needs. Yes. Yeah, and it's that. going to, if it looks like what I'm doing with Robert, you're probably not doing it right because it probably, it's probably supposed to look different because yeah. it's for your child. So I can't, I'm sorry. I can't tell you what I do with him because what I do for him is for him. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't apply to any other child. That is such hard advice for new homeschoolers. It is because is really there's, because they're fearful. Yeah. And they just really don't know, you know, they're like, I, I want to do this. I feel right about this, but I have no idea where to even start. And it scares them if, if what they're doing doesn't look like what they know. Yeah. Or it doesn't look like your homeschool or my right. homeschool or they're like, am I doing this right? You know, there's, yeah, there's, it's tricky. We have so many new homeschoolers right now. For one thing, mm -hmm everybody's had a homeschool experience now. Not really, because it's, it's not, it's it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a choice, <laughs> right? But now everybody has a little taste of what it's like to have your kids home all day and trying to do yeah. school stuff, you know? And I just see every day on social media saying, yeah, we're going to stick with it. We're going to homeschool this fall. I need help. I need guidance. And I just think, how can we support right. these families. How I was this? really lucky early on. Um, I read a book and I can't remember what it was. Anyway, the gist of it was that we're always taking our kids and comparing them to each other. Mm. Who's ahead, who's behind. Yeah. And like, as you and I sit here as adults having a conversation it's blatantly obvious that you know things that I don't know, and I know things that you don't know. But that's why we converse. That's why we interact with each other, not to compare. Like, you know things that I don't know. Does that mean that I'm behind? No one would ever say that. Yeah. Or true. because I know things that you don't know, does that make you behind? Am I ahead? We, that's not something that we ever say about ourselves as adults, but we do do it with our kids. I've heard of, like, even in elementary school, we took Robert out on vacation, which was very frowned upon by the school, but we did it anyway. Because <laughs> Good it's, for you. Because it's cheaper to travel in October. <laughs> but, and pe you know, people were like, aren't you afraid he's going to get behind? Behind who? You know? <laughs> He's yeah. in third grade. <laughs> what does it matter? You know, I'm thinking in the in the in the broad scope of things, taking vacation in October in the third grade is probably not going to be real detrimental to no. him. No, no, I I love how you said that. Aren't you afraid? And before you said it's so fearful. 
yeah. you know, coming from that place of fear because it's universal. It Whether is. you're a homeschooler or you've got because kids we love our kids because we love and them. we're responsible for them. Yeah, and, and we're, we're like, so, I don't want to screw this up. We're so afraid that we are are going to wreck them. Yeah, and then it would be all our fault. Did you ever experience that? Like, I'm going to do this wrong and feel that fear, or did you just feel calm about it from day one? Um, of course I did, because. For one thing, there was pressure. My husband was not on board. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, my first thought was, he's going to be so unhappy if I <laughs> screw this up, right? Yeah. And, and I'll hear about it for the rest of my life. And so there was that pressure, and which that's what really drove me to go to the curriculum thing. I just thought, okay, I'm going to do this right. And I... I don't, I did have some anxiety at the beginning, but I will just tell you my faith in God and prayer reassured me through all of it. I just had a knowledge within me that if we move forward with our eyes and hearts open, we would recognize all the things that were coming our way for him That's and awesome. once i once you know once we both embraced that um we didn't ever have any question we were okay with looking completely different we would have people question you know you know like why would you do that and what about math <laughs> like he's baking <laughs> he runs a business he does, he's probably doing there's math a lot day. of math involved with that well but like what about like what about English? And I'm like, you know, in my experience, most people who are are very talented in languages and English and literature and that kind of thing struggle with math. And people that are really into math and have a real passion for that struggle more with language. And my experience with my son is that he is all about the math stuff. He mm -hmm. will bury himself, which is good because I'm not. So it would have been really hard for me to motivate him in that area because it's, I don't find it a, a motivating area for myself. Yeah. Good thing he did <laughs> because he would just study. He would get books and study and, and think it was super cool to apply things to electronics and all of that stuff. Um, he was very capable, but really hated writing. Yeah. He didn't like it. And so um, at church, our kids give talks. And we, from the time he was little in primary, he never, we never wrote a talk for him. Yeah. And so he's always had to do all of them himself. And when... He was, I guess, about 13. Um, he would read a book, and I would just ask him to write a summary of the book for me so that I could read it. And he really didn't want to. And I told him, I said, here's the deal, Robert. You have a business. You want to be a businessman, right? He goes, oh, <laughs> before I go there. We would like, when you drive around and see signs and billboards, like in church parking lots and things, letters that people had put up, words, yeah. like you, oftentimes you'll see spelling mistakes or grammar mistakes yeah. that you just go, oh, they really should change that, <laughs> right? And so we would make note and we would laugh at that. And so he has that. And I told him, I said, Robert, when you are a businessman and you want to communicate something to your employees and you write a memo and send it to them and you have poor grammar or can't spell, do you think that they're going to respect you as a boss? Or do you think they'll make fun of you? Mm. Like we make fun of these signs. Yeah. Do you think that that's going to work in your best interest? And he goes, no, that would be terrible. <laughs> and I said, okay, here's the deal. I ask you to write these summaries for me, not because I want to know what you read, but you need practice writing. And 
I can write really well and spell really well, and I've got good grammar, but if you, and I can teach you all of this, but if you don't want to do it and don't learn it, it has absolutely no impact on the quality of my life. But your life is going to be pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty awful if you've got employees making fun of you because you can't spell. That's such a great way of like showing him this is why you need it. It's yes. not because I tell you you need it. Yeah. Because you, don't, you want it. And you it. don't you don't have to have a passion for it. Yeah. So and he's like, you're right. And so he never he never learned to love it. Um, but he's competent. He's a competent writer. Yeah. And so because he needs to be. Yeah. So and the same with me for math. Like it is not something that I love, but like I said, I was a baker. And so if I wanted to do that, I needed to have a, a level of competence and confidence with math and numbers. Yeah. So you do what you need to do. That's, I mean, that's what we all do. So he learned that. And uh, so that went well. That's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. I never made him do something because I wanted him to do it. And I would tell him, I couldn't care less if he can spell. <laughs> it has no impact on quality of my life. But you go for it. You see how it works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's fantastic. Like, I just, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, I could totally apply this to my own kids. Because I'll say something like, well, spelling helps you communicate more effectively. And like, but if instead I say, this is your life, you pick what you want it to look like. Well, yeah. and they have an idea of what they want in their life, yeah. like what they want to be when they grow up. And if you just pick a scenario of, okay, when you're an author for a, a, a book manufacturer and they throw a bunch of numbers at you, and do you want to be standing there going, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Yeah, or negotiating <laughs> a contract. Right. You know, like you, that, that's a great example of it. And to also be able to separate yourself from it, because what I see happening too is the the homeschooling parent, whether it's mom or dad, saying, if you do poorly, it reflects on me. So I need uh, you to do well. So I feel validated as your parent. And you the know? choices that I've made. <laughs> yeah, uh, like that, that. You need to show that's that I'm an ugly trap, right isn't it? It is. It's totally ugly. And by being able to separate yourself from your child's success or performance or whatever it is then you're really also giving them ownership this is your life you're not responsible to make me feel good yeah make me feel like i'm, a I'm good here parent. to help you make a really good life for yourself i'm a good resource yeah use me or not <laughs> <laughs> i like that that's really cool yeah i wish i'd known you 10 years ago and you could have coached me at the beginning of my journey <laughs> a lot of these things i've just learned through trial, trial and error and yeah lots of trial and error yeah but I, I just Which love... Which is, you know, a lot of ways, a lot of these ways, that's like the best way for us to learn things. Yeah. And I feel like people should not judge whether or not they should stick with homeschooling based on the first year or two. Because you're, you're going to do K-12 or something, right? Like you're going to... We only did it for like two months. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. You're a fast this is, learner. This is horrible. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like if, if you really want to homeschool, you got to start thinking more in multiple years you know, to like figure you know, out. You do. Like you said with Stephen Covey, you, you have to think about what it is you want. What's the end? Yeah. The end is that we want competent, confident, responsible, reliable adults, right? Yeah. You can and the only way, the, the truth of the matter is, is that you can't pour that into anybody. They have to build it themselves. We can help. We can support. But ultimately, you know, each one of us has to build that ourselves. Including us. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's fantastic. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Or any stories or any stories? Experiences? Like you're just like there's so much wisdom in everything you're saying. So I'm like, wow. Well, that's super flattering. <laughs> it is. You, okay, well, you don't want to watch me for a whole day stumble through a day. <laughs> and that's everybody. That's everybody. But a lot of what you're talking about I've just figured out over time. Right. And trial and error reading really good books that have like led me through well know? i mean i think really i just would like to it's nice to speak 
from this end of it. My son is 22 years old. He, the, the day before he turned 18, he signed a lease and got his own place on a Saturday. The following set, he had a bachelor pad for one week. The following Saturday, he got married and he, they started the family right away. He, they, at 20, he bought his first house. Bought a $370,000 house when he was 20. That's mind-boggling. He's 22. The only debt he has is his mortgage. And he's doubling that every month to pay it off quickly. Because he doesn't like wasting money on interest. Yeah. And so, you know, I watch him. Um, they've got two children. Another one on the way doing the end of July. Um, he loves being married. He loves being a father. He loves owning his own home. He loves having a business and employees. So just watch from this end of it now, watching him be so engaged and so passionate about the way he lives his life is, I'm like, I don't even know why I could have even thought, I hope I don't screw him up. You know, if you can just be there to support and guide and help them believe in themselves, um, I'm super grateful because that, that my ideas and my thoughts about education didn't limit him. And he was able to choose the path that he wanted to take and and he takes that path joyfully. So it's super rewarding. And now we're starting over with a, a seven-year-old. <laughs> and you have the benefit of perspective now. You're yes. Like, look what worked. Yeah. And I'm, I totally, I'm so unconcerned with the fact that this looks completely different from my son. So unconcerned with that, which is really nice. Yeah. Wow. Well, Robert sounds like a remarkable young man, but I also think that you're a remarkable person, so I can see how he came from you. <laughs> you're very kind. <laughs> it's true. That's how I feel about it. Well, I love homeschooling, and I think everyone that that is able to should do it because I think it's the 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 optimum way for someone to receive an education if it's possible. Awesome. I don't know about you guys, but there were so many moments during that interview that I was like, I should be taking notes here. She's just so at peace and calm. And you see so many homeschool moms, myself included at times, who are just like, is this going to be okay? That sense of fear and panic. And she just really trusted the process and trusted that it was going to be okay. And I just think that's so amazing. And I really look up to that. So thank you, Edie, for being on the podcast. It was delightful to meet you. I hope our paths cross more in the future. This has been another episode of If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn, and Edie Ahrens was our guest today. Thank you, Edie. <laughs>